0: Pittsburgh Steelers lost by 31 points to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Steelers' worst loss since the 2016 nightmare in Philadelphia. Is this rock bottom, or is this a new standard for the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. Now by standard, I don't mean what the coaches and organization expect and work towards producing on the field. That's not what I'm talking about in this podcast. What I'm talking about is what is reasonable to expect from this team and the players on it. That's what I want to talk about today. In the first half of the show, as usual, we're going to talk about the offense and the second half we'll get to the defense. Before I get into it though, I want to, overall overall the the game against the Cincinnati Bengals was terrible. I don't want to overreact to one absolutely terrible game. Even if it's been surrounded by not good, right? We've we've got not good. We've had bad games. And then this game took that to a new level. The point of this podcast is one of the rules, one of the rules I, I try to go by when I evaluate things is you're never as good as your best game, you're never as bad as your worst game. After the Chargers game, we had people saying Big Ben's back. You know, this team has hope now. We gotta get some defense going, but but this team has hope. Well, we saw it today. <laughs> one game after some people out there were touting that Big Ben was back. Uh yeah, we, we saw this game. So today we're looking towards the future of this season and also kind of what we can build on into the future as we start to look past this season, because I know there's a lot of you already looking past this season. I'm trying not to do that here, but when we look at players, we're kind of also looking at that. We're going to mostly focus on the rest of this season, though. So let's get started with the offensive line. Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr. are two rookies that have started. Not only are they starters on this team, they lead the offense in snaps. Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr. are the top two players on the Steelers in offensive snaps. Both have shown that they have potential to become good players. But they've also shown that they aren't those guys right now. And I'm not saying they're going to be good in the future. I'm saying they have the building blocks that they can take and become good. Right? That doesn't mean they're going to make it. That doesn't mean they have, you know, the the doesn't mean their ceiling of their talent is going to be reached. It doesn't mean that they're going to be able to be those players. But you can see where they have some things to build on to get there. Kendrick Green really needs to work on his hands. If he can fix his hands, and that's an if, does he have the, you know, the physical ability to be a good hand fighting center? Not every human being on the planet can just do that, right? At the NFL level. And even good college offensive linemen frequently can't get their hands down in the NFL and it's not just, you know, you, it's not as easy as look at the other player and, you know, hit them in the, hit them under the shoulder pads, hit them right in the right spot. You know, They're, the defense is trying it too. You have to be able to beat a defensive lineman's hands to be a good offensive lineman in the NFL. It's not easy. If Kendrick Green can fix that, he's going to be good. People complain about his strength. He's plenty strong. People talk about his size. He's big enough. He needs to get his hands down. He has some other technique issues, but the biggest by far is his hands. And that's going to take an offseason, and it may be something he can fix. Dan Moore Jr.'s footwork. Oh my gosh, that it, it's oof, it's rough. Uh, a lot of his bait, his technique, just there's so much about Dan Moore Jr. That is exactly what we saw when we drafted him. And everyone saw it and said, yeah, he's raw. He's a project. What's he got? He's got size. He's got some strength. He's got good attitude. You know, can he turn into a tackle? We'll see in time. Well, he didn't have time. (laughs) He's starting this season, and the answer is right now, no. Trey Turner at right guard, good veteran addition. He, and when I say good veteran addition, I mean, he's like Ramon Foster was. Not Ramon Foster's last year, but, you know, 2017, 2018 Ramon Foster. That's what I see from Trey Turner. He's a guy who, man, you get him in a phone booth and he's going to maul some people. You make it about his ability to move and you're going to have a rough game. Chukwuma Korafor <laughs> is the same player he has been, although the same player he has been used to be the weakest link on the offensive line. Now, he's someone no one talks about. He's one of the least talked about starters. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, he's he's solid. And, you know... Solid, maybe average, maybe a little bit below average kind of category for Chuck Wimokorafor to depending on the day in the matchup. Has him as one of the better offensive linemen on this team right now, which is really, really sad. Uh, when Kevin Dotson is healthy, this line isn't good. No, I mean, they, they're a decent run blocking line, and they're a decent pass blocking line. They're decent. They're not good. With him out... The line is bad. Legitimately bad. So our hope for this season is Kevin Dotson's healthy. But overall, what we've seen, I'm not going with this is rock bottom and we're only going to see up from here, other than Kevin Dotson coming back. So for me, the verdict on the offensive line is this is the standard. This is what we're going to get. It's going to get slightly better with Kevin Dotson back if he's, if he's good and ready to go. Next up, let's move on to the quarterback. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, I got a newsflash for you, breaking exclusive here at the cutting room floor. Ben Roethlisberger is old. Yeah, this is his last season, or at least it really should be. I'm going to go as far as to say it, it better be his last season. At this point in his career, we talked about it last week. He's a game manager. He last week was a high end game manager, right? i was comparing him to a high end game manager after last week. Still not game breaking throws. You know, he's he, he can make a few deep ball throws. You have to be able to think. Think Chad Pennington when Chad Pennington's name was, you know, how is this guy still a good quarter? How is this guy a good quarterback with that arm, right? That's kind of where Chad Pennington was for a few seasons. Ben Roethlisberger, at his best, is, is kind of a Chad Pennington at this point. Uh, in this game, though, he showed he still has that Ben Roethlisberger stinker game in him. And this was it. I don't have the exact numbers. I mean, we all we all saw the interception. I'm not going to even deal with that. That, oof. Uh, the first interception, the second interception. It looked like maybe his arm got hit. It, you know, a little excuse there for him. Uh, but looking at this game, it, it seemed like there were as many drops as there were just open wide receivers who were thrown an uncatchable ball. Where it's not even like you're throwing to where you know the defense can't t- to it, but maybe your receiver can. I understand those throws. Sometimes those get counted as drops. Sometimes those get counted as bad throws by the quarterback. I don't believe in that. There are times where just your best option is to put it in a place and see if your guy can make an improbable catch. I'm not going to blame him for not catching it. I'm not going to blame the quarterback for throwing those. That's not what I'm talking about in this game. I'm talking about wide open guys throwing catches where they would have happened to have been Heinz Ward to catch that ball. And I I mean, then the... the as an incredible compliment to Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward caught absolute laser beams from Cordell Stewart that were shown thrown at his shins uh, consistently. He made rookie Ben Roethlisberger, who didn't have accuracy uh, and didn't know what he was doing at the NFL level, just ran around and tried to make plays. He made him look a lot better than he was, just catching balls that weren't accurate. That was Heinz Ward. Ben doesn't have that guy right now. He could certainly you've used him in this game. But Heinz Ward should be in the Hall of Fame. He isn't, but he should be. None of these receivers are going there. Well, But, you know, I shouldn't even say that. We'll get to these receivers shortly. Uh, ben is not getting better, right? This this was a low. So in, in that sense, this could be considered rock bottom. This was one of his bad games, but he's had bad games, too. We could see another one, you know? It's not like there's one a year like there used to be. Uh, and then you know there's not going to be more. There's going to be other. Ones. Ben's not really bouncing back from what he is this season, though. He's done. Ben is not that guy anymore. Fantastic Hall of Fame career, but this is what it looks like when a quarterback's done. It was Peyton Manning's last season without the, a healthy team around him. Peyton Manning had that had the run game, and they had that absolutely fantastic defense. Ben Roethlisberger, if this team was healthy, would have a decent offense and a very good defense. And this would be a playoff team. But we're not healthy. And it's not good. they're not going to carry him. He's done. Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to win us games in 2021. And frankly, Mason Rudolph isn't better. And Dwayne Haskins is not an NFL quarterback. My verdict on the quarterback situation is this is the standard. This is not rock bottom. This is what we're going to get. 90% the standard similar to the offensive line. You know, Ben isn't going to be quite this bad every game. Uh Kevin Dotson is going to come back on the offensive line, but for the most part this is what we can expect from both those positions. Najee Harris, I'm going to take this a little differently for running back. Najee Harris looks like a late season running back in game 11. He looked worn down. He's not as fast, he's not as quick. He's taken a lot of hits, he's taken a lot of carries. He is 46 touches away from his highest Uh, In college, his senior year in Alabama, he's got six games left, and he's 46 touches away from his highest load he has ever worked as a running back. Uh, Until this game, he was on pace to break Le'Veon Bell's highest uh, number of touches in his career. The 2017 season, when he touched the ball 406 times, and has never been the same since. Right? He sat out that next year. Never has been the same again. Najee Harris was on pace to beat that in his rookie season. He had only 11 touches this game. He's now below that pace. He was at 25 touches a game before through the first 10 games. He had only 11 in game in week 11, and to really only give him a, a an acceptable upgrade from his previous you know record touches. Uh, They need to keep him around 15 touches a game from here on out. And he had a shockingly low number of touches with 11 in this game. That's not happening. Our big hope is Najee Harris can take the abuse and still be a good running back next year. That's our hope. Because they're not going to mitigate his touches. They're not going to do it. Uh, So my verdict on the running back position is, sadly, this is the standard. This is what we did to Willie Parker. This is what we did to Le'Veon Bell. And right now, as good as Najee Harris is, and as as many people are calling for him to touch the ball more, uh, we're running him into the ground. That's what we're doing. We're running the wheels off of Najee Harris as a rookie in a season that we're going to end up probably below 500, no matter how good he is. So that's 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 the worst one to me. That's that's the standard. Tight end. As the only other bright spot outside of Najee Harris on the Steelers offense, uh, Pat Friermuth came down with another great touchdown grab, even though it was in garbage time. That was a phenomenal catch. He's a good player, a very good player, and he's going to get better in his second, even third season. He's going to grow. Uh, he's a great weapon for whoever our next quarterback is. He's going to be great in the future. Uh, He's a really good tight end right now. So the verdict at the tight end position is the standard. This is the standard, but in a good way. Uh, Pat Friermuth is a bright spot, and as bad as the team was around him, he was solid again today. Oh, not today. Uh, (laughs) This week in week 11. So that's a good mark. It's the standard, but in a a good way. Uh, For wide receiver... Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are good, not great receivers. But we've had a lot of those. Martavis Bryant. uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders was great, he just wasn't good here. We've had a lot of guys look really good with Ben, even into the great category. With Ben Roethlisberger. He's not that guy anymore. And these receivers are not really being dragged down by him as much. I think Chase Claypool has more potential than he's getting to. But both of these guys have flaws in their games. Deontay Johnson is a really good underneath guy. He's a really good number two option, and he's very reliable. Especially this year as he's cut a lot of the drops out of his game. But he's not a playmaker. He'll break some big gains, but he also comes up short on converting third downs a good deal. He's, he's not, he's not the number one guy on a good offense. If Deontay Johnson is your number one receiver, you're not a good offense. You're not going to be. He's not that guy. Chase Claypool, I don't think is that guy either. Um, He's a deep threat, man. He can make plays downfield. He can make plays on slants. His attitude gets him in trouble with fans. Um, a little bit, but I'm okay with it. He's a receiver. They're, they're head cases. Every single one of them is a head case. Uh, you've got to have an ego to play that position. You have to. We saw him make some really great grabs. We saw him drop some passes. He's not... Uh, he's not a contested catch guy. He's a guy you... And by that, I mean, he's not a great contested catch guy. He's not a guy that you just chuck the ball and let him make a play. We've seen that. He doesn't, he doesn't come down with it, right? More often than not, he doesn't come down with it. You throw him enough, he's going to make a couple. Uh, but he's not that guy, and he's not a guy who gets open after the play breaks down. He's not a creative you know guy outside of the route and outside of the structure. He doesn't seem to have a, a good... He's not on the same page with Ben, at least. I can say that much. So, again, good, not great. They both have, have holes in their game that I don't see them fixing. Uh, wide receiver, I'm going to go with the standard. There's, I mean, James Washington, he is what we know. He is. He's not much. He's depth there. Uh, the new guy, I think it was Anthony Miller, had a good catch. But, overall, this is the standard. Good, not great at wide receiver. So, looking across the board at the offense, I was kind of surprised. I was expecting to have a few rock-bottom Uh, positions where we could have hope going forward. But after getting into them, I'm like, you know what? This is kind of what it is. This is the standard. This is this offense. Uh, There's nowhere I look to or I can say, hey, you know what? We can pick this up and be a better offense in 2021. This team has three games in 11 games with 25 points or more. And they have three games with 15 points or less. They have two games where they've scored exactly 10 points. And they have exactly one game where they've scored more than 30. The Pittsburgh Steelers' offense stinks. And it's not getting better. That's the first half of the show. And uh, we'll be back with the second half to talk the defense. Thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll see you in the second half. Woo! Go to your happy price, price line. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. This is the Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor, as always, is brought to you by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. I'm encouraging you here to check out all of the podcasts, uh, the early morning shows with Dave Schofield, uh, Jeff Hartman's uh, Let's Ride, the the afternoon shows, which include, of course, this show, The Cutting Room Floor, which is clearly everyone's favorite, and <laughs> um, And also the evening shows, which are, if you're on, uh, you can watch live on YouTube. They always come out the next day, but you can watch them live in the evening on YouTube or on Facebook. You can chat with us and we read it. Even on uh, a show like Know Your Enemy, where we usually don't get to interact much with the live chat, we still read it. We still look at it. And there have been multiple times where uh, we've had a guest on and one of our questions has gotten overlooked, or a question that we didn't even think of will be brought up in the live chat, and we'll ask it. Uh, a lot of the other shows interact with the live chat. There's a lot of there's a lot of interaction there. It's a great discussion. It's a great group of people that get on and watch live and talk. Even if you just get on and, and get into conversations, sometimes uh, I have to confess this one. Sometimes uh, on Know Your Enemy, Michael Beck will ask a question, and the the guest will start answering it. And I'll look over at the live chat and see that they're, they've they gotten off on some tangent. They're talking about something. And I get into that discussion in my head. And all of a sudden, I, I realize, like, whoa, like the way the pers- the guest is talking, I'm, I'm up. I have to ask a new question. And I don't, I haven't even been listening to what they're saying because I got sucked into the live chat. And I have to really quickly come up with a question to ask them. Uh, that happens more than I would like to admit. And if you watch the live stream, sometimes you can see, you can see it happening and. and live uh so definitely check out all the podcasts on behind the steel curtain uh po- family of podcasts uh but also go to behind the check that site out for all your news analysis opinions discussion uh choral brought chorus our our, our platform that we use for it brought back the Uh, yellow, like the different colored comments for news. You can go back. Discussion's gotten a lot better because of that. Come back. If you haven't been there in a while and you were like, oh, I stopped, come back and check it out. It's a good good place for discussion. And we cover all the stories, all the news stories. And we got great opinions, great insight, great analysis. It's a great site. Uh, I tell you, I, I joined the site as a fan in 2009. I started writing for it a decade later. So I've I've been a solid, solid fan and consistent visitor to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com before I started producing content for them. That was the comfortable part of this uh, this show. Get to talk about something I actually enjoy. Um and now let's get on to something that's not as not as fun to talk about. Back into breaking down the Pittsburgh Steelers and whether. What, we, what we've seen in these last couple of weeks are rock bottom for the Steelers or a new standard for 2021. And We're moving on to the defense in this second half of the show. We went over the offense in the first half. Yeah. Let's just get to it. Let's get to it. Defensive line. Uh, Cam Hayward is great. You know his standard. He gives 100% effort. He cares. Uh, he was out there hustling. The Bengals knew he was the major threat in the front line, and he still got eight tackles and a sack. He was causing havoc a lot, even with, the double, with frequent double teams, help blocks. They were running away from him, and he was still wrecking plays. He is the standard. When we say the standard is the standard, if there's a player you want to look to for that, it's Cameron Hayward who, whether it's a good matchup, whether it's a tough matchup for him, whether the other team is avoiding him, whether they're double-teaming him, or even in games where maybe they're looking to T.J. Watt and, you know, stuff on to it when he was healthy, and Bud Dupree is the threats, and kind of ignoring Cameron Hayward, he would step up and, and be the guy who made plays. Cameron Hayward lives the standard. And you could see after the game in his interview, if you haven't seen the his his post-game, uh, press conference with the media, he he was not happy. That's an upset man. And he's a fantastic player. He cares. Couldn't love the man more. I'm so glad he's a Steeler. And, and one of my biggest regrets of this era of Steelers football is that Cam Hayward, like Marquise Pouncey, is most likely going to retire without ever playing in a Super Bowl. And that's that's sad to me because if anyone on this team who hasn't been, who's not Ben Roethlisberger because he's been to two he's been to three uh, any of the other players on this team deserves to see a Super Bowl. Cameron Hayward is number one. Probably I'd go probably go Joe Hayden number two, but Cam Hayward's number one. Beyond Joe, beyond Cameron Hayward, uh, the defensive line is awful. It's, there's no mincing words. I've I mean, they're terrible. uh this this defensive line, in spite of the play of Cameron Hayward has gone from the backbone, the strength of the Steelers defense to the number one liability. This is rock bottom. It's it's awful. Uh, I don't know if it'll get better, but this is like I'm, I'm I hate when people say it can't get worse, right? Uh, we heard that with Marquise Pouncey where people were like, literally anyone would be better than Marquise Pouncey. Well, yeah, Kendrick Green's a rookie. He shows promise for being a decent play. He shows the potential. I shouldn't say promise. He shows the potential to be a good player in the future. But you know what? He's worse than Marquise Pouncey was. He is. <laughs> like, people will say, oh, it can't get worse than this. Anyone would be better. And then they go out and replace him with an NFL-caliber player who's worse. Uh, so I hate saying that, but I would have a very very hard time seeing this defense get this defensive line be worse I, I don't know how even if you lose Cameron Hayward I mean what what's the difference there they're still just gonna run all over you if the other team can run for six yards a carry like it neutralizes Cam Hayward for all but the a few plays a game or he can make a real difference too many times he's wrecking plays in the backfield, but they're just able to go literally any other point on the defensive line and make up for it. Because it's just that bad. It's rock bottom. Sadly, it may not get better this season. This may be what we have to look forward to for the rest of this season. Is just constant rock bottom from the defensive line. And that's awful outside linebacker when TJ Watt is healthy he is dominant when he isn't the 2021 Steelers cannot win a game and have not won a game uh when TJ Watt has played the Steelers have lost two games and they've won the and every single win he has been a part of and two losses he has been a part of were Green Bay and this week both when he returned from injury and looked visibly not himself. Steelers are 0-2 when T.J. Watt plays, but he's visibly not himself, not 100%. When he's healthy and playing well, the Steelers are undefeated this season. That's incredible difference. When he's not healthy, the Steelers can't win a game. Alex Highsmith is a solid number two to TJ. He's not going to be good enough without TJ Watt playing, and with his defensive line in the shape it is, he's not that guy. Taco Charlton, solid backup. He's done some good stuff. He's very solid against the run. He's got a few pass rush moves. He's not a bad backup. He's he's probably, man, I would probably rate him higher than Anthony Ciccolo as a backup linebacker. But when TJ Watt's out, you know. He's slightly better than Anthony Ciccolo. That's not good. Derek Tuzka, nice story. Hustle over talent. Special teams guy. Didn't really have a chance to make it to the NFL, but he's here anyways. Hanging on. Making, you know, carving out a spot for himself on this roster. Not a bad number four linebacker. He's not. But that's it, right? That's what this is. This team... An outside linebacker, this position, and also the Steelers' defense and the Steelers' offense all need T.J. Watt to dominate, to have a chance to win. The good news is, Watt played, didn't seem to get hurt. He should be healthier going forward Till the next time he's hurt. Hopefully that's a while. Um, so I'm willing to say this is rock bottom. This is not the new standard outside linebacker because T.J. Watt, when he's healthy, is that good that he swings the result of games. Inside linebacker. Here we go. Um, I was a Devin Bush fan in college. I'm a University of Michigan fan. When they drafted him, I was pumped. His rookie season, we saw him struggle. But, man, he grew every week. It was like there were so many flaws in his game early on. He was just fast and charged around the field recklessly. Like, he didn't know what was going on in his first few games in 2019 but we saw each week him take and tackle like what seemed to be his biggest weakness from the week before and eliminate it. It was just growing every single week. In 2020, he came back and he looked like 2017 Ryan Shazier. Sure. The splash plays weren't there. That's the same as Ryan Shazier in 2017, but you, you watch the film of Ryan Shazier in 2017 and you're like, yeah, he's not making splash plays, But he's doing so much for this defense. In 2020, early in the season, Devin Bush wasn't making splash plays, but he was doing so much for the defense, and then he got hurt. He hasn't been the same player since. And right now, Devin Bush looks worse every single game. Every game he plays looks worse than the one before. Earlier on, I was like, you know what? He's lost his speed, but he's still finding ways to contribute. He's not the splash player, but, you know, we just have to ride this out and hope he gets healthy. But he looks like a player in week 11. He looks like a player who has not just lost his best assets and his speed and his quickness. But he looks like he's losing his confidence as well. He's losing heart. Devin Bush is a mess. And I I, I don't want to pile on him too much because I understand you – you have expectations for yourself, and when you can't meet them, that hurts. And when your team is struggling and losing, that hurts. And there's only so much you can just bury, you know, and move on. There's only so much you can just suck it up and, and keep playing. It's going to eventually affect you. And Bush looks like that guy right now. He looks like a player who is an absolute mess. Outside of him, Joe Schobert. Can make tackles when he's unblocked, and he will make tackles when there's not blockers on him. Uh, that's about it, you know. Sadly, that's that's a that's counts him as a positive on this team, I guess, because there's so many people who can't do that. Uh, Robert Spillane is a good backup, really, really good special teams player. But with the D line in shambles. Mike Hilton not there, causing havoc from the slot. Uh, Robert Spillane's blitzing, his, his uh, hug blitzing, isn't worth what it was last year. He doesn't get the chance to do it as much, and teams can account for him because they're not as worried about everyone else. The verdict in the linebacker inside linebacker room, uh, Devin Bush is at rock bottom, but I don't know if there's any hope for a turnaround. So I'm putting this as the standard of inside linebacker play for this season. It's not, I don't think it's getting better this year. Only thing we can do is hold out hope that Devin Bush is a better player next year. Because without him, this linebacker core fell apart, right? Inside linebacker was a strength the last two seasons. It's a major weakness this year. Devin Bush got hurt. That's that's what happened. I mean, Vince Williams was a good guy, but he he you can't think that if Vince Williams was on this team this team would be like somehow a much better team. That's not that's not the case. They need Devin Bush healthy again. And if that never happens again, man that's going to stink. Let's move to cornerback. James Pierre is a second year player. He was a great story last season. Guy who came out of nowhere, played good at the end of the year. He was a guy who was ready to step up, join the dime package this year, you know? Be the number 3 corner. He shouldn't be starting any more than Cameron Sutton was ready to start when he had to in 2018 in his second season when he allowed 145 yards on 13 receptions on 15 targets and a touchdown with no passes defended. In the two games, he was forced to play a bigger role. Cameron Sutton wasn't ready. Then, and he stunk. James Pierre, as a second-year player who was undrafted and made the team through, you know, the The awful rookie route you have to go through when you're that player managed to make the team he in his second season is a better player than Cameron Sutton was in his second season, and Cameron Sutton is now a very good number two corner. he's been that this season. One of the big differences in our defense this year is Cameron Sutton was our number four cornerback, and a big part of the ride this defense was so good was because you had starting level corners coming in in dime packages. You got a sack. Or uh, run stuff early on, one incompletion, something where you got to third and eight or more. And this Steelers defense crushed teams for two seasons, 2019 and 2020. And a big part of that was Cameron Sutton was your fourth corner. That's your weak link in the secondary is Cameron Sutton. Guess what? You're not doing well if you're facing off against a team whose weakest link is Cameron Sutton. But now he's... Right now with Joe Hayden out, he's our number one corner. That's a totally different situation. When when you've got uh Justin Lane or I've mean, got Kella Witherspoon coming in as their dime cornerback, like that's not the same. That's much, much bigger difference there. That's a big, big difference. For Joe Hayden, I don't know what more to say than the Steelers haven't won without Joe Hayden since 2018. When he doesn't play, the Steelers lose. They are now 0-6 since the start of the 2018 season when Joe Hayden does not play. 0-6. Not good. Verdict on the cornerback situation, this is rock bottom. They need Joe Hayden back, and going into next season, they're going to have to possibly address that. Joe Hayden hasn't looked quite as good this year, and he's been banged up more. He's getting old. Uh, I love Joe Hayden, but Hayden is at the point now where you're thinking, hey, you know, we could move him into the slot. We could move him into the nickel corner package maybe and have him, you know, play in situations where we can cover more for him. Uh, But you'd have to have an outside starting corner that's good enough. So right now, uh, I'm going to say this is rock bottom for the Steelers cornerback room. Safeties. Minka returned, and wow, look at that. Instead of giving up, you know, well over 300 passing yards against the Chargers, they gave up less than 200 against Cincinnati. Minka Fitzpatrick was a big part of that. Teams just don't throw deep on him. Last week, teams were throwing deep. Chargers were able to throw deep on the Steelers because Minka wasn't there. Uh, they attacked Trey Norwood frequently in that game and had success doing so. He's, like James Pierre, a guy who can come in and dime and be like, whoa, this guy's this guy's solid to, to actually good as a dimeback, as a seventh-round pick rookie. That's awesome. Well, yeah. He should be our dime corner. Uh, When he was starting at safety, it was bad. Minka also came, Minka Fitzpatrick also had an interception that very well should have swung the momentum in this game. Instead, Mike Hilton, Cincinnati Bengal, did Mike Hilton things. The ball got, it looked like Ben's arm got hit, something bumped. It was a little wobbly ball, a little off target, and he jumped that sucker and took it back for a touchdown. Great play, Mike Hilton. Wish he was still a stealer. Uh, But for the safeties, Terrell Edmonds was number two in tackles. He was all over the field trying to cover for way too much. He basically has to play like a linebacker. He's frequently getting blocked because the defensive line is terrible. Uh, So he has to be a deep coverage and a linebacker at the same time. It's, It's a rough job for Terrell Edmonds. And some days he does better at it. This was one where he he was actually playing pretty well. It just didn't really matter because the Steelers offense gave the game away faster than the defense could try and stop it. Verdict on the safeties. Uh this is rock bottom. As in, this was rock, I should say, this was rock bottom last week when Minka was out. Minka Fitzpatrick was back. The standard is good. If Minka is back there, uh it's not when he isn't. That's it. That's the Steelers' breakdown Uh, overall. Our hope in this team is Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and TJ Watt. That's the hope for the Steelers, is that the three best players on this team carry them to wins. And when they're down TJ Watt, man, they're not going to do it. Even down Joe Hayden, they need Joe Hayden back so that they have, you know, another one that's that's good enough to, to keep this going. They just don't have enough good players on this team. And for the rest of the season, the Steelers are going to win when they can lean heavily on TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick to just win games for them hold the other team to under 20 points and and set this offense up with good field positions so that they can actually score points. Other than that, it's not going to happen. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening. I can tell you if, if we have a similar result next week, uh, we're going to start looking forward to, you know, what we can expect next year from the players on this roster. We're going to start turning and looking towards the future because, I don't know. It it feels to me like I'm going over the same things every week because this team is the same team every week. Can TJ Watt single-handedly, you know, put pressure on the quarterback? Or is Cam Hayward going to just be shut down by double teams all day? Like, like, it's just, it's predictable at this point. Uh, So next week, if we have a similar, if we have a similar game to talk about, uh, we're going to start talking about the future. Thank you for listening. Tune into other podcasts on Behind the Steel Curtain. Have a great week. God bless.